Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. A coalition of black education and civil rights organizations have pressed for extra state funding to help black students who continue to rank among the lowest performing students in California. In response, Governor Gavin Newsom plans to increase oversight of all California's low performing student groups and focus additional money on the state's poorest schools. But black educators say this isn't what they were fighting for. Until people are courageous enough to discuss the impact of racism on education, the gaps will never be closed. What will Governor Newsom's plan actually accomplish and how will it benefit black students? Here is this week's Education Beat with host Zadie Stavely. Deborah Watkins started teaching in 1977 at Independence High School in the Eastside Union High School District in San Jose, in the heart of the Silicon Valley. It was an amazing campus, 103 acres. It had a uh, planetarium uh, and a public library. It also had a gymnasium that that could hold all 5,000 of our students. And it had a a lap pool and an Olympic-sized pool. In other words, it was beautiful. But... Beneath the shiny veneer of Independence High School with its amazing campus, what I found early on were the Black students were not making it into my college prep English classes. Deborah couldn't understand why she wasn't seeing Black students in her college prep classes. It certainly wasn't that the students weren't capable. It, it definitely wasn't that, because I was one of the founding Black Student Union advisors with two other um, Black um, teachers, and clearly we saw their genius all the time. But Black students were not being recommended by counselors and teachers for the college prep classes. It has to do with racism. It has to be. Because why is it that these clearly capable Black students aren't being recommended by these white teachers, white counselors for these classes? So um, that's when I started really interrogating um, the, 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 the racial aspects of what was happening to Black children. Deborah says racism was keeping Black students from having the same opportunities as white students. Everything centers around the teacher. If the teacher um, sees the genius in the child, that teacher will elevate that, that child or that student to the highest uh, levels of capability. But if, this, if the teacher comes into the classroom already with a set of low expectations, then the children often don't get those opportunities and they they languish. She joined other Black educators to work on Black student success. But overall, she says there hasn't been enough focus on Black students, and it shows. When I started teaching 45 years ago, okay, literally, um, the average GPA for Black students in the East Side Union High School District at that time was 1.5. Okay, that's a D-plus average, right? By the time I finished teaching, uh, after, you know, 37 years, the GPA was 1.9. So still wasn't even a 2.0. This is Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Zadie Stavely. This week, how can California focus on Black student success? Black students have long lagged behind in academic performance as measured by state tests. In 2021-22, 30% of Black students in California met the English language arts standards, and just 16% met the standard in math. 
That's below every other racial or ethnic group, and drastically below white students, who scored 61% in English and 48% in math. It's also behind low-income students as a whole. And yet there has been no dedicated effort to specifically address performance of Black students in California. Deborah Watkins has continued to do as much as she can to push for Black student success. She's the founder and executive director of the California-based A Black Education Network. And she's part of the Black in School Coalition, which includes local NAACP chapters, Black Students of California United, charter schools, and other organizations. The coalition has been critical of California's local control funding formula because it doesn't reach all Black students. The local control funding formula was started in California in 2013, and the idea was that it would make school funding more equitable, giving districts more funding for certain groups of students, low-income students, foster youth, and English language learners, or ELLs. But the Black in School Coalition estimates that about a quarter of Black students don't fit into any of the groups targeted by the funding formula. They're not in foster care. They're not low income and they're not ELLs. But there are 80,000 underperforming Black students in the state of California that are still not getting their needs met. This was an issue that was extremely important to Shirley Weber, who was a longtime state assembly member before being appointed to California Secretary of State in 2020. Her daughter, Akilah Weber, is now in her seat in the state assembly, and she continued her mother's work on this issue. Last year, she introduced a bill known as AB 2774. I was so excited. AB 2774 was finally going to get at the 80,000 Black students who are not covered by LCFF. The bill would have added a fourth group of students to get extra funds through the local control funding formula, the lowest performing subgroup. You know, it sailed through both the Assembly and the, and the Senate with no opposition. It went all the way up to, um, you know, even through appropriations, it sailed through with no opposition. And so we were just stunned when we were told that Dr. Weber was going to pull the bill. It's time for me to bring in my colleague, Emma Gallegos, who wrote about this for EdSource, together with John Fensterwald and Danny Willis. Hi, Emma. Hi, Zadie. So the original bill that Assemblywoman Weber came up with actually passed through both uh, houses of the legislature pretty easily, right? That's right. And so then what happened? What happened was Assemblymember Akilah Weber met with uh, the governor's office and other members of the Black Caucus and Later on, she sent out a statement saying that there were some constitutional issues with the way that the bill had been written. And so she pulled the bill. And, and do we know what, what the concern was? She mentioned constitutional issues. And um, the reason for that is Proposition 209, which passed in 1996, um, which bars the state from taking any action um, related to race. So it's known as an anti-affirmative action amendment. Um, and so, yeah, so concerns were brought up. And so, you know, we've heard from some supporters of the original bill who are obviously very angry about this, who, who said that that had been brought up um, by the governor's office. Deborah Watkins was one of the people who were upset about this. The sad part about it is that in AB 2774, there's no mention of race. 
it says the lowest performing subgroup. And the lowest performing subgroup for decades now has been Black students. Still, Deborah and others had hope. Dr. Weber actually informed the coalition that the reason why um, she was comfortable pulling the bill is because the governor promised to still address the concerns of the bill. The governor's solution was announced in his budget proposal on January 10th. Our worst fears were, you know, our worst fears materialized. What came out in the budget was not anywhere close to what we were anticipating. So Emma, can you explain to us what this new proposal would do? Yeah, so there's there's two pieces of it, and one is the funding. So he's proposed an additional $300 million every year, and that is supposed to go to um, high poverty schools. We're still learning more about the details of this, but it looks at students who are eligible for free meals, and it would pass on that funding to schools with 90% or 85% of students who are eligible for that, um, depending on whether it's an elementary, middle, or high school. And so that that looks like it's about 500 or so schools that would be eligible for that. So a very small proportion of the state. So these are schools with a high concentration of very high poverty. And it doesn't look at performance at all. But in addition to the funding, there's another part of the proposal, right, Emma? That's right. Yes. And some advisors to um, Governor Newsom, they said, the funding isn't even really the biggest, most important piece of this proposal. They also are proposing some changes to the oversight of the local control funding formula. What the governor's office wants to do is make sure that schools specifically are looking at who's not doing well. And so they said that there is a piece that does address these this achievement gap with Black students. So there actually is a part, the California dashboard, which does make note of how different groups are performing by race, as well as English learners or disabled students. So some of the measures that come up on the dashboard would be academic performance, which is something that was mentioned in the original proposal, as well as um, things like uh, chronic absenteeism, suspension, graduation rates. And those are also all areas where Black student achievement, there's there are huge gaps. So what the governor's office says um, is that, that schools would be required to make a plan for addressing those specific gaps, those, those orange or red flags, and explicitly saying how they're going to use funding um, and the resources to address it. And then there will be follow-up um, if you know to see if that's worked. And if it hasn't worked, they have to come up with another strategy. And one piece of this is that they want to create a new position, a regional position. So they said probably at the, um, the county board of education level um, for what they're calling an equity lead. So this would be someone who's actually monitoring this. So um, these leads would be looking at not only that extra $300 million that's coming into these um, high poverty schools, but also just looking at issues on a school level, but then also looking at, okay, regionally, is there, are there um, some schools that are doing a good job with this and come up with solutions, strategies? Emma, have you spoken to the governor or someone from his office? Yeah, Brooks Allen, who's the executive director of the State Board of Education and also an education advisor to Newsom, told us that this oversight piece is very focused on the student groups that have the greatest needs and certainly Black students are squarely among them. 
And he said, we think this focuses those resources in a more meaningful way than just talking about fund generation. And so that's, I think, a key difference between the two proposals. So, you know, when he talks about this, this does something different than fund generation, that's that is a reference to the original bill that was proposed that would fund um, that would generate additional funds for black students. So he thinks that this this will go deeper and be more meaningful. Um, and they, they do have support. There was we have Christopher Nellum from Education Trust West who said, you know, he he believes that um, this will become an important tool for educational equity as well. What has um, Assembly Member Weber said about this proposal from the governor? So she has spoken um, in support of this. She said she looks forward to more details, but um, you know she she believes that these two pieces of it the the extra funds that are going to high poverty schools along with this increased oversight will be she said it's important for um, on equity measures and she did um, specifically talk about black student success and um, you know the the huge achievement gaps that exist and she believes that this will be a tool to um, address those issues. Looking at the funding part of this proposal, do we know what percentage of Black students would actually benefit from this funding? My colleague, Daniel Willis, put together an analysis of this $300 million, and this would not be targeting funds at Black students. Um, it would actually be looking at the lowest income schools that make up about 5% of all students in the state. Um these funds, the demographic breakdown at these schools, you know, it's a majority Latino um, population that we're looking at. And I believe it was about 6% um, of students that were Black students would be included. And supporters of the original bill said, this is totally missing the mark. Um, because originally, we were trying to get more money to go to Black students in particular, and especially those Black students who aren't already receiving money from the state. And you know, this is something that comes up often when uh, you try to look for ways to address these achievement gaps. And sometimes, you know, some people will try to bring up like a proxy for race. And a lot of people say this really doesn't work. So when you're looking at low income students, you're not actually addressing the issues of black students themselves. Deborah Watkins and the Black in School Coalition are not happy with the proposal. They say it won't be as effective for black students as it would have been if it were specifically targeted towards them. It makes me feel that black children are marginalized once again, that nobody's hearing the, the, the voices of those children who are not low income, foster youth, or ELLs. And that makes me sad in that. The budget proposal still has to go through many negotiations. The governor will announce revisions in May, and nothing will be final until the legislature passes a budget bill in June, in the meantime, Deborah and other advocates plan to keep pushing for the needs of Black students to be addressed. For 45 years, my entire career, Black students have been marginalized. They have been underserved. They have been overlooked. They have been absolutely disregarded as though their humanity doesn't matter. Until people are courageous enough to discuss the impact of racism, on education, the gaps will never be closed. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools, a production of EdSource. You can find our story at edsource.org. 
Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Special thanks to our guests, Deborah Watkins and Emma Gallegos. Also, big thanks to John Fensterwald and Danny Willis, who also worked on this story. Our CEO is Anne Vasquez. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the Dirk and Charlene Cabsonell Foundation. I'm Zadie Stavely. Join me next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. <laughs>